Welcome to the Christchurch Oceanside Podcast, a faith community on Vancouver Island within the Anglican Network in Canada. We invite you to check out our website at ChristchurchOceanside.ca, or if you're on Vancouver Island, join us on a Sunday in the News Bay. Today's message is brought to you by our pastor, Father Ryan Matchett. We hope you enjoy. Bless you. Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7, beginning in verse 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. Welcome, friends, back to our Sunday podcast here on the good way of Jesus. We are teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. We are now in chapter 7, and we're addressing Jesus' teaching here on judging others. So last week we looked at how Jesus is the third way, a way of non-judgment, yet not permissively co-opted into the darkness in our world, that there is an ability in Jesus to know what's wrong and not participate, but to also not participate in judgment towards what is wrong in the world. And so Jesus begins his teaching here with a command and a warning. Judgment has consequences for the judge. So when we look at verse 1, this is what we see. Judge not that you be not judged. This is an incredibly gracious statement. It is a command, yes, but it's also a loving warning. There are a lot of solid reasons Jesus has for encouraging and convincing us why we should not judge, yet... He begins here with how judgment impacts our own well-being. That's a gracious act in and of itself. Judgment has consequences upon you, not just others, but you. And Jesus is saying, firstly, I care about you. And this, this judgment, is going to greatly impact you. 
I think that's very gracious, especially, you know, having done all the study of all the different passages of Scripture within the New Testament and the Old, and looking at all of it, for Jesus to start here, it's incarnational. It's humble. It's lowly. He comes right down into the mess that we will create for ourselves if we continue to engage with judgment. Verse 2, he goes on to explain why. For with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged. And so the first part of this sentence is very helpful for us. The judgment you pronounce. Pronounce is a helpful word to aid us in defining what judgment really is, to get at its true nature. Judgment is a pronouncement of a person's goodness or righteousness. It is a weighing and a determining of quality. Quality of motivation, intention, purity, sufficiency, benefit, etc. But at its heart, judgment is a pronouncement of deficiency of goodness, isn't it? And pronouncements are conclusive. They're significant. You could even say a pronouncement is somewhat irrevocable. Because judgments are determinative. The way we treat people is often the result of our internal judgments of them. So what are the predetermined categories that we tend to slot people into? I think those knee-jerk default responses that we have towards people, they come from an experience. Maybe an experience of somebody like them, somebody has similar personality traits or whatever, but we start to kind of create categories inside of us that we go, these are the type of the people I don't like. These are the type of the people I don't want anything to do with. These are the type of people that hurt me. And when we start to pick up on cues from people, even with a very limited amount of knowledge about them, we're quick to categorize. I think we often watch the Western judicial system and rightly point out where it deals out disproportionate judgments upon people of color. All the while, we often deal out similar judgments internally towards all types of people, race and personality alike. I watched an interesting kind of video this last week where they took a, a video of kids, four kids sitting at a table, And they asked different teachers of different nationalities to come and watch this video and to point out wrongdoing. Now, what those teachers didn't know is that there was no wrongdoing in the video. These are just four kids coloring. But one of the kids was a person of color. And regardless of whether or not the teacher was white or from a different nationality or was a person of color themselves, When they tracked the eye movements and the focus of the teachers, they all focused on the one child who was a person of color. This is an example of subconscious judgments that we make. Jesus here, though, is saying the judgments that you pronounce, that you make and determine inside without even really thinking about it, that just happen, those those same judgments you will be judged by them. Jesus has already warned us of this type of thing when he teaches on prayer in chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer, that if you do not forgive others, you will not be forgiven yourselves. Now, though, he's teaching that God's judgment of you will be determined by how you judge others. 
So our judgments will be judged by the great judge, and our judgments will be used upon us. So the criteria then that you use or I use will be used in our judgment before God. Now this is appropriate since any human judgment is actually an attempted usurping of God's rightful role as judge. Who are we? Like, for real, ask this question. Who am I to judge other people? We think of the, uh, is it John chapter 8? Jesus says, throw the first stone uh, to the crowd that he says to the religious leaders. The, the, the one of you that is without sin Throw the first stone. Who are we really to judge? And so I think it's appropriate that Jesus kind of throw this into the mix to go, how about, this is a fair way of looking at it. The way in which you judge, you will be judged. And we see actually this is a common type response that God utilizes throughout human history when dealing with human hubris. Oh, you want freedom from my love and provision? Fine, have it but then you will have the freedom and provision of which you can provide for yourself. Oh, you want to be the judge? Fine, be the judge. But know that the judgments made in that seat that you now sit upon will be used to judge you as well. And so there's this very real promise that Jesus is saying, look, there is a final judgment that is coming. And on that day when you stand before the judge, which is Jesus. The criteria by which you judged other people, I will incorporate into your judgment. For any true follower of Jesus that believes in a second coming and believes in the coming judgment and looks forward to it, for true justice to finally reign over the earth. For those of us who have been abused, for those of us who have trauma, for those of us who continue to struggle in this world, under injustice, boy, we look forward to that day of true justice when Jesus brings it. But it must produce a humility in us that goes, but I know that the judgment through which I function, I will then receive. What that does is create a deep humility, which makes us less judgmental, less arrogant, and quick with our judgments, knowing that we will be one day judged accordingly. So see, though, see the righteousness of Jesus even in this simple statement. That this is what Jesus wants us to take seriously. But here's the other aspect of it. Not only will we be judged by Jesus by our judgments, but there's also just kind of a here and now reality to this, that as we judge others, so others will judge us. It's cyclical. It's a cycle. If we're judgmental towards people, what do we tend to get back? We kind of reap what we sow, don't we? Judgment creates a culture of judgment. And I think there's a last piece to it as well. Not only... When we judge others, do we end up being judges? But it's also reflective of the fact that we judge others the way we're judging ourselves. 
And I found that some of the most judgmental people I know, when I can get below the surface, I find they live under a very judgmental inner voice. That's hard on them and harsh. And really what they end up doing is projecting that same voice onto others as a kind of fairness. They go, if I have to live with this, you have to live with this. Now, the second part of verse 2 is this, where Jesus says, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Measurement is another helpful word to help us kind of get under the surface of what we know judgment to mean. How do you judge? What is your criteria? And what are the consequences that you deal out? The picture being painted here by Jesus is one of scales, measuring scales. And so the heart is one of measurement. We do this intrinsically. And so the question here that Jesus is asking, making you self-reflect is, what is the measure of your judgment? What is the measure of your consequences that you tend to deal out? How much of a person do you need to experience in order to measure their value? How much of a person How much do you need to measure in order to determine what they deserve? How much of that person do you need to know and understand, again, to measure, to determine what you think their future will be, what they deserve to get? And then, once you've done that instantaneous internal measurement, what's the emotional, relational, or practical impact of your pronouncement? Right, Because what we do is we not only measure someone internally, we then pronounce it. We come to a decision about them, and we start to instantly deal out the consequences. We deal out the consequences in how we emotionally engage with them, how we communicate to them, how, we re- how relationally available we are to them, and then practically what we think they deserve. Think of it. When you meet someone, how does your posture change? How does the tone of your voice adjust? When it's someone you think is good, special, worthy, valuable, notice how you open up towards them and want more of them. When you judge someone as less than, maybe unhealthy, dirty, Something makes you uncomfortable about them. You don't like their style. You find them abrasive. What do you intrinsically tend to do? Cross your arms, close up, turn away from the conversation, all of these types of things. These are types of relational, institutional, and spiritual treatment that we tend to think sinners deserve. Jesus isn't like this. The people that tend to be most ostracized and rejected by society are the people that feel safest with Jesus. So here Jesus is pointing out these few things. How do you, in your judgments, how do you weigh people? How do you pronounce a a kind of conclusive decision about people, even if it's in your own heart? even if it's subconscious? And then how do you distribute those consequences? That's the, that's the definition of judgment here. To weigh someone, 
to pronounce a judgment about them, and then to begin a process of distributing consequences. When Jesus is calling us to be non-judgmental, he's, he's inviting us to engage in those three levels of weighing, pronouncing, and distributing consequence according to him instead of according to our natural default responses. So think about that for a moment. How does Jesus weigh you? How does he weigh your value, your goodness, your behaviors, your thoughts, your actions, and the outcomes of your life? How does Jesus weigh you? What we have come to see in Jesus is this immense value, immense love, despite the chaos and calamity that we've created through our own sins in our life. Jesus weighs us as worthy of love. He loves us. For God so loved the world, weighed the world, and loved it that he sent his son. And then how did Jesus pronounce his judgment of what he found in you? Well, what he pronounced over you was grace. He pronounced forgiveness. He pronounced Love, this is the story of the prodigal son. That even in all the sin, even in all the chaos, even in all the fallout and the lack of success and the shortcomings and the weaknesses and the failures of us, God sees us and clothes us with Jesus, pronounces us Righteous as Jesus is righteous. Calls us good as Jesus is good. He weighed us, found value in us despite our sin. Pronounced us righteous because of the sacrifice and the goodness of Jesus. And then, instead of distributing consequences of wrath and of punishment, of which our sin sufficiently earned, instead of distributing that to us, God sees us, loves us, calls us righteous because of Jesus, and his emotions, his thoughts, his treatment of us is to love us in the same way in which he loves his son, to love us unto eternal life, to love us into safety, despite the brokenness of this world and all that we might feel in the highs and the lows and the hardships and the pain and the suffering and ultimately death if Christ doesn't come back. He'll love us through it all and past it all into eternity. If we believe that about Jesus for us, and we then treat our neighbors in the same way in which Jesus treats us. We refuse to weigh them according to their sins, but only see their intrinsic imago Dei value. They have been created by God in his image. We refuse to pronounce or condemn. We refuse to say people deserve their, what their sins have earned, but instead see them 
His potential brothers and sisters are already brothers and sisters in Christ. We call them good. And especially within the church, we treat them as though they are Jesus himself. And rather than distributing consequences of wrath and hardship and pain and sorrow, instead we distribute consequences of love, encouragement, building up, honoring, safekeeping, serving, lifting, rejoicing in, and and holding up to say, look, look at my brother, look at my sister, look at the one who Jesus has loved. We lift them up out of the consequences of their sins. To live this way, devotedly non-judgmental, Part of what we're prioritizing is the call to love our neighbor as ourself, more specifically to love our neighbor as Christ has loved us, to love our enemies as Christ has loved us. We refuse to let go of that in the name of seeking to rightly judge people. Jesus is calling us to prioritize the work the inner life, and the actions of love towards others by choosing intentionally to be non-judgmental. Because, and he's giving us the warning here, that what we will do is it sets us up for a beautiful judgment ceremony at the end of all things where we will stand before Christ and when Christ judges us and says, what is your life, my friend. What we want him to find is a mirror image, which is not the same thing as a perfect image, but a mirror image of his treatment of us. We want him to see how he treated us we believed and received. And so much so that this is how we chose to devote ourselves towards treating others. This should set the judgment ceremony up for one of celebration and elation because what we see is the love of God come down towards us. And then we see the love of God spread out towards anyone that we came in contact with, that we worked hard at refusing to weigh people according to their sins. We refused to pronounce judgment according to their sins and we refused to distribute consequences to them. Isn't there enough consequence for sin in this world? Do I really need to add more? Nowhere in the scriptures is God calling us as individual followers of him and Christians to go out into the world to deal out consequences, to deal out wrath, to deal out judgments. Now, we'll look in the coming weeks of when it is appropriate to judge and how, how to do it with Jesus, how to do it according to the patterns of which he describes, prescribes for the church in community, but nowhere is it the individual responsibility of the Christian to go out and judge the world or to go about the bride of Christ and judge her. Our job is to weigh and pronounce and distribute consequences in the same way that Jesus has done towards us. When he weighed us, he loved us. 
When he pronounced judgment over us, he pronounced his righteousness over us. And when he distributed consequences over us, he gave us the love of his eternal life. This should color fundamentally the way that we treat our neighbors. And the promise here is one, instead of a warning of you'll be judged in the way that you have judged, it now sets it up for a beautiful judgment ceremony where God celebrates the spread of Christ through us in our non-judgmental relationship with the world. Again, all of this comes knowing that Christ is the only suitable judge knowing that there are strict requirements for how judgment should be used when in extreme situations within the church. And as we'll look at next week, how we're not called to judge the world. That's not our job. And so we don't have to worry about carrying that. What we do have to worry about is treating others the way in which Christ has treated us. Grace upon grace upon grace. We're looking for people's value and overlooking their sin. We're looking to proclaim righteousness over mistakes. And we're looking for reasons to pour out love and resources and support and consequences of goodness, knowing that the blood of Christ has covered all sin. Next week, we'll start to look at these other pass- these other verses. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? We'll unpack this on how we can address sin in our midst, but how the tool in which we do so is not judgment, but the gospel. So for today... What does it mean to ascribe to a life of non-judgment as a follower of the way of Jesus? That we weigh, pronounce, and distribute consequences upon people according to the way Jesus has weighed, pronounced, and distributed consequences upon us. Mercy, grace, love, and value. And this, my friends, turns into a promise of hopefulness. That there will come a day where we stand before the great judge and what he will see within us, his followers, is himself. Amen. 